thanks be to God who gives us the victory, always causes us to triumph. Thank you, Lord. Would you go please to Luke chapter 4 this morning? We're continuing on a uh, series we've begun just a couple of weeks ago that we're calling The Word of Power. The Word of Power. We we camped out for some uh, several Sundays on um, faith in the power. And now we're talking about this different series, but it's a follow-on, and that is the Word of Power. They're connected. If you, if you didn't hear the previous, let me encourage you. How many that were here would think it'd be worth their time to listen to what went before? Uh, go up and, you know, on your way out, if you're here in the buildings, here or in uh, Sarasota, and if you want a CD or DVD, it won't cost you anything. Uh, the easiest, quickest way is to go online, and the uh, broadcasts are there in their entire, uh, well, the, the whole message is there, and won't cost you anything. There's no charge. And around here we have a saying, no charge means no excuse for not knowing it, not getting it. It just requires some of your time. And um, the word uh, does not waste your time. In Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 22, talking about Jesus at the beginning days of his ministry, verse 22 says, they all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? The thing that caught their attention was his words. If you skip down to verse uh, 32, it goes further, 432. They were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Now, astonished here is a really strong word. It's like amazed out of wits. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's not, they didn't just go, hmm. They were like, whoa. They were, um, they were astonished at his teaching and preaching. Why? His word was with power. Everybody say, his word was with power. His word had a punch to it. I mean, it. his word uh, wasn't boring. It wasn't empty and lifeless. Uh, keep reading. It said, in the synagogue, there was a man that had a spirit of an unclean demon, cried out with a loud voice, said, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know who you are, you holy one of God. And Jesus rebuked him and said, hold your peace and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in the midst, he came out and heard him not. And they were all amazed. That's akin to this astonished. And they spoke among themselves. And what, what were they so struck about? What a word. Is this, for with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Everybody say his word word. was was with power. 
And the fame of him went into every place of the country round about. The fame of what? So this is the thing we don't need to get away from. Yeah, they were impressed with the results, but the Bible specifically says the thing that astonished them was the way he spoke, his words. And uh, he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. They besought him for her, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever. Now, I know years ago, I, I was reading this, and I got to this part, and I just stopped, and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus is not praying for Peter's mother-in-law. This is not prayer. And Jesus is not rebuking Peter's mother-in-law. She's delirious with fever. He's talking to a fever. Right? Jesus rebuked the fever. Now, most people don't think like that, do they? If, if, you know, most people, most, most good church going people, if somebody said, you know, well, my, my daughter's running a high fever or my, my baby or my son or I, I've been running a fever. You don't hear the usual response when people say, have you spoken to it? Have you rebuked it? And yet people say, well, well, that'd be just trying to act like Jesus. I thought that was the idea. Right? You got a better example to follow? And, and that's what, you know, religion uh, will, will try to convince you, man's traditional religion, that everything Jesus did is on a place unattainable for us. And that he did it as God. Well, if he did this as God, then you're not God, and you can't do it. But Jesus said, how many are going to put stock in what Jesus said? In John 14, he said, if you believe on me, the works I do, you will do also. Did he say it or not? I said, did he say it or not? Then he must not have done those works as God. Elsewise, how can I believe that? If he did what he did as God, then how can I believe I can do what he did? I can't. But if, like the scripture says, if he did it as a man, anointed with the Holy Spirit, and he would anoint us with that same spirit, then we can see the glorious possibilities of doing the same kind of things he did, realizing that's why he did those things, was showing us how to do it. Recently, we, we talked about this from Mark eleven twenty four and Matthew 21, where Jesus spoke to that fig tree. He spoke to the fig tree, and it dried up from the roots. And when the disciples saw it the following day, and they remarked about it, he said in Matthew 21... If you have faith and don't doubt, you could not only do this which is done to the fig tree. Hold on, hold on. Did he just tell them they could do that? He did. 
You'll not only do what was done to the fig tree, but if you spoke to that mountain. He's telling them they can do what he just did and even bigger, greater things. If they'd have faith and doubt not. And of course you understand all those disciples are not God. Human beings. Like us. No. When Jesus rebuked this fever, he's showing us what to do with fevers. Now I know in our educated society, people scoff at things like this. They mock things like this. But they also scoff and mock at Genesis 1 that God created everything. And they scoff and mock at the virgin birth. And they scoff and mock at the, the physical resurrection. And they're unbelievers. And they're lost. And so if, you, if you're not going to let them influence you on these other things, why start letting them influence you now? No, we're the believers or we're not. And if we believe part of the word, we might as well go ahead and believe the rest of it. Right? And so Jesus rebuked this fever. And when I read it those years ago, I thought, now hold on. He's talking to a fever. And my next thought was, can a fever hear? Can a fever hear? I read the next phrase. And it left her. I thought, yeah. Fevers can hear, obviously. Right? Fevers can hear because the fever did what he told it to do. He rebuked the fever. And it left her, and immediately she got up, healed and fine, and ministered to him. Can you say glory to God? Glory to God! His word was with power. They were astonished at it. And he spoke to the wind. He spoke to the waves. I, I, it just blesses me so much when I see, I, I know... Recently, I don't know that we, we didn't talk about it on the following Sunday, but there had been some storms around different places, and we spoke to it, and, and I knew you all did too. Am I telling the truth? When you see bad storms and things coming up and approaching, uh, some, you need to speak against them. Command them to, to dissipate. Jesus said, peace, be still, and Part of the problem is the convective activity. It, it boils. And, and what happens, the enemy tries to get involved in these things and use them to steal, kill, and destroy. And so you want to speak against them. And uh, it's amazing some things we've already seen just in the past few years of how path will just open up. <laughs> and there's a clear place. And, uh, and I know there was a hurricane a while back, and, and, we, and we and others others had spoken to it. Uh, to cut the top of, you know, hurricanes and storms build, and, and the taller they get, the more monstrous and strong they are, and they can only do it when the jet stream's weak, because a strong jet stream will cut the head off. And the worst thing for a storm is a bunch of dry air. I mean, if a great big bunch of dry air, it just kills it. It just comes apart. And we've seen that over and over. And, of course, Jesus just summed it all up by saying, peace. Be still. And all that stuff we just talked about happened. And then some. 
You don't have to be a meteorologist. But it's interesting to me to see exactly how it happens, you know. And uh, to see a big 60,000-foot-tall monster storm just choke on a bunch of dry air and go, uh, 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 and die and can't bother anybody. <laughs> but don't be silent when these things come up. Speak against them and don't play with it. You're not asking it to do something. You're commanding it to do something. Can you say amen? Amen. Look with me in the 12th chapter of Matthew, please. His word was with power. Matthew 12 and 31. Matthew 12, 31. Jesus said, I say to you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven to men. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven to men. Whosoever speaks a word Against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him. Neither in this world nor in that to come. Does it matter what we say? Does it matter what we say about God? About His Spirit? Um, And the reason this came up, the Father obviously gave him these words to speak. But they had accused Jesus of casting out evil spirits by Beelzebub, the prince of devils, and it was actually the Holy Spirit. So they are attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. And so is it okay today to say that speaking in tongues is of the devil, or the gifts of the Spirit, or any number of these other things... Uh, if you're not sure what something is, don't just get mouthy and attribute it to the devil. You can be speaking derogatorily, disrespectfully about the Holy Spirit himself. You don't want to be doing that. Either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. Uh, the tree is known by his fruit or by what it produces. Old generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? Can you tell this whole passage he's talking about speaking and the words that you speak, speaking things against the Holy Spirit? Uh, he said, uh, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in your heart and whatever you're full of is what's going to come out your mouth, even though you try to hide it. (laughs) It is still, when the pressure's on, whatever you're more full of is what's going to come out of your mouth. And that's why in times of pressure and duress and crisis that a lot of times you'll hear cursing. And blasphemy 
And this just string of expletives and, and terror and fear. Why? They didn't think about that before they said it. It just came right out of them. Well, the problem is, and sometimes people say, oh, I'm sorry. I know, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't cuss. I shouldn't use that kind of language. No, the problem is that it was in you. The problem is not that you couldn't hide it in front of us. <laughs> the problem is that it was so much of that still in you. And of course, you know, if you listen to hours and hours of cussing on TV and movies, y'all are too quiet, <laughs> and you listen to a bunch of junk, how do you get full of something? By listening to it. By watching it, by thinking on it. And so whatever you get full of, you may be able to act prim and proper under calm circumstances. But when the pressure's on, out of the abundance of the heart, it's going to come out. (laughs) I know some years ago when I first started learning to fly jets, there was a demonstration pilot that I got to fly with in an airplane. I was as green as could be. I mean, I hardly knew one in from the other. But I was at the place to start learning. And and uh, we went to this place. He said, do you want to go with me? I said, yeah. And so, you know, you learn every time you fly and watch. And so uh, we went to this place. And as we were about to leave, the, the people at the place said, uh, how about doing a, a, a flyby for us? And I thought, a flyby? And he said, nah, I can't. I got in trouble last time. And uh, I thought, okay, good. That sounds good. We won't, we won't be doing the flyby. So and we're just a, a business jet, you know. And we're not in any kind of uh, air show plane. And so uh, we taxied out. And I'm supposed to be flying. And so we, we taxied out to the place. And, and I'm in the left seat. And I'm getting ready to go. And we're clear for takeoff. And they came across and said, uh, be advised, there's... The, there's no authorities around. There's no anybody around this field. And, and so he says, uh, my controls, I have the plane. I thought, oh, boy. And so <laughs> I took my hands off, and, and he took off. And I don't know if you know anything about flying, but, I mean, we had barely broken ground. He sucked the gear up. We must not have been six foot off the ground. And he, he banked. You don't bank <laughs> six foot off the ground. I don't know how we didn't hang a wingtip, but he just darted like a 90 degrees off the side. We are halfway down the runway, and we're about 50 foot off the ground. We're below the buildings, and we're headed straight for some buildings. <laughs> and we're doing, you know, like, I don't know, 200 miles an hour. And, <laughs> and you know, the natural feelings is we're about to die. And the reason I'm telling you this is right out of my spirit. I said, well, praise God. <laughs> I didn't cuss. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't go, oh, my God. <laughs> I said, because the thought came to me, well, you may be about to die. And then I thought, well, I'm good to go. <laughs> I'm good to go. Praise God. Praise God. And all I said, it just came came out of me. I didn't think of it. Praise God. (laughs) And and it it blessed me so late. Obviously, I didn't die. I'm still here. But 
it blessed me so much that I wasn't full of fear. As far as I knew, I'm looking death in the face in a, in a moment or two from now. And I wasn't panicking. I'm, it blessed me so much. And I realized being around the Word for those years now and getting it in me and getting it in me, now when the pressure came, that's what came out. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. And at the last minute, He pulls up and we go over the buildings and I thought, whoo, Lord, I don't want to ride with this guy anymore. And I didn't. I didn't fly with him anymore. <laughs> Mercy of God. Mercy of God. How, and why did I tell you all that? Well, you enjoyed it. You enjoyed that, didn't you? Uh, somebody almost killed your pastor, but it was okay. We, we <laughs> uh, out of the abundance of the heart, Whatever abundance means, there's a lot of it there. So out of the abundance of what you have a lot of in your heart, inside you, your mouth speaks. And keep, keep reading. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Did you hear that phrase, brings forth? How do you bring forth things? The same way God brought forth the heaven and the earth. He spoke and it became and it was. And he's, the master is revealing you bring forth good things by the words that you speak or you bring forth bad things by the words that you speak. And we know that's what he's talking about because verse 36 and 37, he even gets, says it more plain. I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified. And by your words you shall be condemned, or that can also uh, be... Um, Translated, judged. By your words you'll be justified. By your words you'll be judged. By what? By whose words? By the words of people, what they thought about you. No. No. I said no. You are not going to be justified or judged by the words other people spoke over you. Against you or about you. It'll be the words you spoke. That's what will be brought back to you. You said this. You said that. By your words you'll be justified. How are we born again? We talked about this previously. You believe it in your heart. And... And you say it or you confess it with your mouth. And the Lord said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father and his angels. And so what's going to happen is our confession of faith on the earth is going to be brought to remembrance. We said, 
You'll be, I'm convinced, you'll be able to hear uh, different things where you're, you're justified. You'll be able to hear where you said it. I believe in Jesus, the Son of God. Words like that cause you to be justified. Hallelujah. If you say, I don't believe in all that stuff. Those words will cause people to be condemned and judged by your words. By your words. Everybody say, by your words. With us, it would be by my words. By my words, I'll be justified. Or by my words, I'll be judged. And this is one of the reasons why the Lord commands us not to judge. Not to speak judging words. Because you're going to be judged by what you say you knew. And I will too. If you say about somebody else, that's wrong. That's just, there's no way that's right. They should never have done that. Well, they're not going to be judged by what you said. But you will be. You'll be judged whether you walk in the light of what you said you knew you should do or not. When you understand this. You stop talking about people. <laughs> and you say, that's between them and the Lord. <laughs> right? Because you don't want your words of judgment against them to be used against yourself. Because you said it and you didn't repent. Now I want you to notice this about that previous phrase. Every idle word that men speak, they'll give an account thereof. Everybody say idle. Every idle word that men shall speak, they'll give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Go to Matthew 20, just a few pages over. Matthew 20 in verse 3. What does this mean? Idle words. It may be different than what you've thought. This exact same word, translated idle, is used here. In Matthew 20 and 3, when it talked about the man that went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Verse 6, he went out about the eleventh hour and he found others standing what? Idle. And he said to them, why stand you here all day idle? So the word idle means... Unemployed. Not working. Inactive. It can also be translated lazy and careless. Useless. Barren. So what are words that we'll have to give an account of? Non-working words. Empty, careless words. Empty, careless words. Why? Why would that matter? It's because of how serious words are. Most folks 
you know, most of the church, most of us have not understood the significance of being a speaking spirit. None of the animals have this ability. None of the biologic creations that God has made. We're not just a highly evolved animal, regardless of what people say. They're basing that on a theory, an unproven, untrue theory. Now, granted, there's a lot of similarities between our biology because God created both. It works for them. It works for us. But what the big difference is, is in the realm you can't see. I'm not just a body. You're not just a body. I'm a spirit made in the image and likeness of God who is spirit and the father of spirits. And he made man a speaking spirit. Say it out loud, a speaking spirit. That's one of the big things that make us like God, that make us God-like, and even the sons of God. What do you mean? We can choose what we want, creative power or destructive power, and we can put it into a word and express it and release it. That's God-like. Are y'all with me, friends? And this is not to be done and handled carelessly. We are doing good or evil or nothing with every word that comes out of our mouth. And having been given such a great privilege, it also comes with a great responsibility. It's quiet in this church. Is it true or not? Is there a wonderful, happy side to what I'm talking about? If we learn how to make our words work, put our words to work for us. Jesus didn't just speak to express how he felt. Jesus didn't just talk, didn't just chat, didn't just chew the fat. Huh? Didn't just yak. Now, why do we have all these words for this? Yak, chat. Chew the fat. Huh? And then a popular one is, I'm just saying. What does that mean, I'm just saying? I'm talking, I'm making sounds, but it don't mean a thing. Sounds like idle words. Non-working words. Words that don't work. When there's an opportunity... To choose a word that works and make that word work for you and work for people around about you. Do we really have this ability 
Do we really have this opportunity? Come on, you don't, you don't even have to make a stretch to know there have been times that you've said things to people you should not have said. Right? It did not help their day. Right? It brought up something that made them feel bad, that made them look bad. Huh? You shouldn't have said it. And there have been times you said things to people that encouraged them, that, that took a weight off of them. You could see it in their eye and they thought, well, I hadn't thought about it that way. Well, yeah, that's what the word says. <laughs> right? And, and, and a relief and a release. And they, they, they realize they're loved and they're valued and they're encouraged. Well, you can just see very quickly and easily how powerful of a, an ability we've been given. Right? I mean, people have turned and gone and committed suicide. After people said terribly crude and ugly and, and, and demeaning things to them. Now, that's not okay. It's still their responsibility. They didn't have to do that. But why did the person have to say that to them either? Right? And then there's been people that were about to give up and quit and throw everything away. But somebody came and said some words to them. And they said, I'm not going to quit. Right? And they got up and hit it again and became a great success. Words can kill. Words can make alive. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Look with me in Ephesians, if you would. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and the 29th verse. It is serious. I know a lot of times people, they, they just rather not read verses like what Jesus said. Every idle word. He'll give them the people are just like, okay, I know that's there. Next. <laughs> Next. But if he said it, it matters. We, we should uh, take it seriously. And will the truth just depress you? Huh? Will the truth just make you upset and say, no, the truth will make you free. And so if there are verses that you just kind of like to avoid and say, well, let's just don't even talk about that. It's because you don't understand. Obviously, you're not doing it. You're not understanding it. But there is great light and truth there that'll free you, liberate you when you do. Sit out loud. Lord, open my eyes to how to practice what you're talking about with my words in Jesus' name. Amen. Show me how, how to do this. In Ephesians 4.29 he said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. How much? None. How much? None. How much? None. How much? None. Well, now, you know, everybody says dumb stuff every day, right? <laughs> That's a true question. <laughs> huh? <laughs> huh? I mean, our... Are you really? Is it possible you could make it through a whole day and not say any 
corrupt stuff. Is it? Well, the Lord wouldn't tell you to do something that you can't do. Somebody say, it is possible for me to go all day and all night and not miss it in what I say. It's possible to go all week. It's possible to go all month. Jesus went his whole life. Jesus went 33 years and never messed up one time in what he said. That is perfection. That's perfection. And before you say, well, yeah, and I've already messed up, so I, I can't measure up. That's why forgiveness is available, right? So that you can start over again clean. His mercies are new every morning. You can start over because of the washing of the blood like you hadn't missed it. But if you don't even try, right? And if you don't hold yourself to the high standard that is available. We don't measure ourselves against each other. That's called being unwise. That's called being foolish. Because if they're not doing so hot and you're not doing as good as them, and you think, well, I'm almost doing as good as them. Yeah, but they ain't doing very well. (laughs) Get your eyes above them to the master who went his entire life and never spoke corrupt words hallelujah in uh, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth there are a lot of things that people are saying church people are saying in church and around places that's actually much worse than cussing and they don't realize it much worse. Do you remember when uh, God told the people he had given them the promised land? And uh, he, they sent the spies and they came back. And, and ten of them said, it's a bad land. Man, it's a land that will eat you up and spit you out. And I mean, we're all going to die if we go over there because these giants are ten foot tall. And they got walled cities and, and iron chariots. And there ain't no way. And the Lord said it, it angered him. Because he told them it was a good land. It was a good land that flowed with milk and honey. It, it, was, a, it was a jewel of lands that he had handpicked for them. And he told them it was theirs. That he had given it to them and now go get it. And they said, it's not ours. They said, it's a bad land. It will kill you. And the scripture said they brought up an evil report. Do you hear that? An evil report against the land. That's worse than saying cuss words. I'm not saying cuss words are good. But that's even worse. Because some of these cuss words, these expletives that people say, they don't really, they're not really putting much meaning into them. What are they believing about it? But when people get all twisted up, and they say, I'm telling you, we're going to die out there. That's even worse. Why? Because you're saying what the Lord says is not true. You're flat contradicting him. 
It's rebellious. It's defiant. You know, the Lord said this. Hold your place there in Ephesians and go to Malachi. Can y'all take some more? I'm not done. Malachi, the third chapter. Now, this is the tithing chapter. But portions of this that a lot of times folks don't get into, they just stop at the end of the tithing part. Um, look, Look in verse 10. Matthew 3.10. Yeah, Malachi. Thank you. Malachi 3.10. What are y'all laughing about? <laughs> Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. There may be meat and food in my house. Prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Keep going the next couple of verses here. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. He will not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast a fruit before the time in the field, said the Lord of hosts. All nations will call you blessed, for you'll be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Your words have been stout against me, says the Lord. Hold on. What? What? See, people try to say, well, you know, God is almighty and he's on the throne and everything he says is power and changes things. But all these billions of ant-like inhabitants, you know, scurrying around the earth, what they think and what they say doesn't matter. Their pitiful little existence doesn't matter. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't agree with this. I said that doesn't agree with this, uh, especially when you're talking about God's people, his people. And that's who he's talking about here. Your words have been stout against me, says the Lord, and yet you say, what? What have we spoken so much against you? So they, they're not aware of how God is seeing and hearing what they're saying. They're not aware of it. They're like, what what do you mean? Our words stout against you. Verse 14, you have said, God quotes them. You have said, can you see by your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be judged. What's the Lord going to say? You said, you said this. And it won't just be just a random off-the-cuff thing. The things that matter most are the things you believe and say. But you keep saying something long enough, you start believing it more and more. Even if you didn't in the beginning. You have said it is vain to serve God. And that greatly displeased God. You, that you've said, what profit is it that we've kept his ordinance? These kind of things grieve the spirit. And that actually, that, that verse is the next verse after Ephesians where it says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. The very next verse says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit. So the things that grieve him 
are particularly the things that come out of our mouth. You have said, God said, you said it's vain to serve God. The kind of things that will really get you in trouble and, and cut off blessing and open up the door to the enemy is saying, it don't do any good to pray. You know, I tried that tithing stuff. It doesn't do any good. You know, that confession, confession stuff, that name it, claim it stuff. I tried all that. It doesn't do any good. God said those words are against him. And they are stout against him. And they limit the Holy One of Israel. Not for himself, but they limit what he does in your life. Because you could be saying, it works for me. I'm telling you, it works for me. You know, that's why I brought up again what Brother Jerry Savelle taught this past Friday. If you didn't hear that, go hear that. He, you know, he, he is convinced. Did you hear it? He is completely convinced that the favor of God is on him every moment when he, every morning when he opens his eyes and when he goes out the door, favor of God is on him and looking for him and great and amazing things happen for him all the time. He believes that. He says it all the time. And there's evidence of it. Abounding. But how many people talk like that? How many church-going people talk like that? Not just one time in a special meeting, but every day. How many people talk like that? No. People don't. They're like, you see here, people hear testimonies. You know, somebody was given a car. $70,000 car. Given a car. There's more than one of them that Kevin talked about today. And some people will go, that never happens to me. If you say so. Do you see that or not? If you were smart, you would say, Now, I'm not just making this up. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. You know the next thing he said? He said, if you had faith, like a grain of mustard seed, you would say. Isn't that right? If you had faith, you would say. Right? So you hear something good, what do you say? Why do you think we have you stand up after these good testimonies and say... What he's done for others. We're not wasting your time with these things. Somebody say, it's happening for me. It's happening for me. Good things. Great things are happening for me. The mercy of God. The favor of God. The blessing of the Lord. Is on my life. It's it's helping me. It's it's prospering me. It's healing me. It's delivering me. The problem is, 
many Christians are like, man, it seems like I get a get ahead a little bit and just get knocked back all the way. Get get a step or two ahead and get knocked back three. Yeah, man, money sure goes, doesn't it? Seems like you just get paid and it's all gone. Would you stop? Would you quit it? You'd be better off cussing. I'm telling you. And I don't want you to do either one. But it would hurt you probably less to stand on the corner and cuss. But do you understand what we've been talking about or not? You're just saying stupid expletives. Maybe you don't believe in it that much. But when you get all worked up and you go, nothing ever works right for me. And nothing I do is ever good enough for them. I can't do anything right. Man, the devil is setting you up for so much failure. He's pushing you with those feelings of bitterness and angst and all that stuff to get you to say that out of your... And see, you are a God-like being. You have the ability to speak forth and bring forth things. And when you say that, he has a right. He can make assignments right then for his demonic evil spirits to cause that to happen in your life. What? That nothing goes right for you. They can work overtime on people so that they're unsatisfied with you. Lie to them about you and all this kind of stuff. You could put your words to work for yourself. Huh? And instead of saying, they don't like me. I don't know why they don't like me. But I can tell and you look over at them, and maybe they're just having some indigestion and have a thing on their face. And you say, see there? You see the way they looked at me? And they just need an acid. <laughs> but in your mind, it's all worked up that they don't like you. They hate me. They hate me. They hate me. And you could be saying, I have favor. With God and man. Hmm? Huh? You can start off your day. Lord, give me favor with everybody that I'll deal with today. Prepare the way before me. Incline their hearts toward me. Even the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Is that right? And he can turn it. I said he can turn it. Whoever he wants to. Oh. Does it matter the things, the words that come out of our mouth? You you have said, God said, your words have been stout against me. You have said it's vain to serve God. Make up your mind you are never going to say such foolish, disrespectful things that God says is stout against him. I'm never going to say his things don't work. Or it does no good to serve him. It does good. It pays. (laughs) Oh, come on, say it out loud. It pays to serve God. It pays big. It pays big 
in this life and in the next. It, it pays big to serve God. It pays to pray. It pays to go to church. It pays to give. It pays to work. It pays to do what the Lord directs us to do. It pays big. Go with me, if you would, to, to James, the third chapter. James 3. Now, this, uh, this whole chapter here is one of the most significant things you'll, you'll read in the Word about words. Um, the, most of the chapter is given to the, the subject. And uh, I want to read this out of the Young's literal translation, verse 1, down through most of the chapter. And even though we, we, you might have heard some of this before, you can be assured there's a lot here that you haven't heard, haven't seen. So uh, say it out loud again, Lord, open my eyes, Lord, open my eyes. to understand, understand and to get what you have said in these words. He said here, uh, many teachers, and this is the Young's literal, so it doesn't read as fluid as in our language, but it is very, very accurate. He said, many teachers become not. Don't All of you don't try to become a teacher. Having known that greater judgment we shall receive. And, and we just got through talking about that. Uh, if I get up and I teach and I say, you should do this, then you're not going to be judged by what I said. I will be. Do I now now you're responsible for what you heard, especially if the Lord gave it to me to say, but I will be if I said you should do this and I don't do it, can you see that? I I must be a doer of what I tell other people to do. And and you too. But then, you know, teachers are telling more people. Verse two. We all make many stumbles. If anyone in word does not stumble, that one is a perfect man, able to bridle also the whole body. Now, don't let the word perfect, don't get hung up on that. It means, uh, it is from the the Greek uh, teleos, It, it has to do with that which completes to the end. And so it describes complete development. It describes full maturity. I I like the term fully developed. If you don't miss it in what you say, you're you're no longer a baby Christian. You're not partially developed or undeveloped, you are a grown-up, fully developed. What does that mean? Like the Christ. Because that's what Ephesians talks about, you know, growing up unto the the, the full stature, the full measure of the Christ. We know Jesus didn't just go all day without missing what he said. He went his whole life. That's fully developed. Right? And the servant's not above his master, but everybody that's 
perfect, the scripture said, and again, that's that word, fully developed, will be as the master. It's possible for us to operate like he did. If we choose to. If you make a mistake, thank God for the blood. Right? Just repent, go on, but you don't say, ah, oh, you know, I'm not Jesus. I can't control everything that I say. Not if you don't even try, for sure. You can, if you will. Most people won't. We can't control them. But do we believe these things that we're looking at in the Word? Do we believe these things? Do we want our words to be non-working? Or can we make them work for ourselves? And work for others. Keep keep reading. Uh, able to bridle, other words say control the whole body. Is that true or not? Oh, come on. Are you awake or not? Is it true that if I can control my words, I can control my body? Is that true or not? See, most people don't believe that. But you'll find areas that you've not been able to reach your goals are areas that you keep having the same problem with over and over again. The first place to look is your mouth. What have you been saying? Hmm? Stop calling things your bad eye, your weak knee. Come on, are you listening? If you want to lose weight, Stop making fat jokes. I'm not laughing. Stop it. Y'all with me or not? Quit making fun of yourself about having extra pounds. Unless you don't care. I said if you want to, if you're serious about it, and stop saying something's wrong with your metabolism. Stop it. Stop talking about how old you are. And how things don't work right anymore. And you're getting older. And you're getting weaker. And you're getting this and that. Is it true that if I control my words, I can control my entire body? Is that true or not? The Bible says it is. I said the Bible says it is. Especially anything that you've had a a problem with. Listen to yourself carefully about what you are saying about that. And change it. Make your word work for you instead of against you. Keep reading. Keep reading the rest of it. We put bits in the mouths of the horses for their obeying us and their whole body we turn about. Lo, also the ships being so great and by fierce winds being driven are led about by a very small helm, whithersoever the impulse of the helmsman doth counsel. So also the tongue is a little member and doth boast greatly. Lo, a little fire, how much wood it does kindle. Now, he's using examples and he gives us three of how the tongue works. Do we believe the word? Yes, sir. He said it's like a bit in a horse's mouth. Well, that bit compared to that big horse and all his strength and all his muscle, that's a small thing. 
But that horse, the direction of that horse can be steered with this apparatus of a bit. He compares a ship. And compared to the size of the ship and the size of the ocean that it's in and the force of the waves and the wind, that helm is tiny. That rudder is tiny, but you can change, you can totally change the direction of the ship. You can totally change the direction of the horse. The horse can be going full out north. And with the bit. Is that right? You can turn that horse until he is headed the complete opposite direction. He's going, you know, if he was going north, he's going south now. Same thing with a ship. Now, a giant ship on the ocean, you don't move the rudder and it goes whoop. No, you, you, you turn the rudder and it goes like this and not much happens instantaneously, but here this great big thing changes a few degrees. Is that right? And if you keep the, what if you move the rudder back? Well, then. It, it, it doesn't move much. It moved a couple of degrees. Now it moves back to where it was. Now we're going to see in just a moment. Well, well keep reading. Let's, let's do it now. He said, the tongue is a little member. It's a fire. Yeah, verse 6. It's a fire. And he started out talking about a starter fire. The world of unrighteousness, the tongue is set in our members, which is spotting our whole body. Again, he talks about the body setting on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by Gehenna. Hell is trying to start destruction with people's mouths. Heaven is trying to minister life and healing through people's mouths. Can you see this? Keep reading. Every nature, both of beasts and fowls, both of creeping things and things of the sea, is subdued, has been subdued by the human nature. The tongue, no one of men is able to subdue. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And people read that and go, well, see, there ain't no use in trying. Then wonder why he wrote us and told us this. Since it was hopeless to start with. No, he's talking about Controlling things outside yourself. Taming animals outside yourself. Obviously, you can control your tongue because he's telling you to do it. But you cannot control other people's tongues. Cannot. I said cannot. So quit trying to be the confession police. Right? Quit trying to straighten everybody. This is for you to straighten out you. Now, the more you watch what you say, the more you will notice 
what other people say, but it doesn't mean you're supposed to try to straighten them out. You're supposed to set them a good example, right? And they are watching you whether they act like it or not. And they're paying attention. And sometimes you can say something, all you have to say is, hmm, I wouldn't say that. You're not telling them what they should. You're saying, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Not the same as trying to straighten them out. Keep going. He said, verse 9, let's look at the next one. With it, we bless God the Father and the Father, and, and with it, we curse men that are made according to the similitude of God. Next verse. Out of the same mouth comes forth blessing and cursing. It does not need, my brethren, these things so to happen. This should not be. What shouldn't happen? We say it like this, talking out of both sides of your mouth. We just got through talking about your ship's going into a storm. It's a bad one. You shouldn't go over there. It's clear skies over here. What should we do? Come on, help me out. Oh, God, don't let me go in the storm. Oh, God, please. I don't want to go in the storm. Oh, but I'm going in the storm. Oh, God, don't let me go in the storm. God's not steering. I said, God's not steering. Steering is your job. It's your ship. It's your body. It's your life. Oh, God, I don't want to go in the storm. So. (laughs) Huh? Now we're laughing, but it really is this simple. Huh? So what? Oh, I'm going into the storm. I'm going into the storm. All you're doing is holding a straight course. I'm going in the storm. Oh, God, I'm going in the storm. I'm going in the storm. Could you do anything about it? People go right through the worst things in life and never even bobble or try to turn out of it, not understanding that the power is in their mouth. You could begin to say something else. I'm going out of the storm. I'm going into the clear. Come on, are y'all listening? I'm coming out of this in Jesus' name. But what if you say, oh, God, no, I'm going in the storm. I'm going. No, I'm coming out. I'm coming out of it. Oh, I'm going into the storm. Oh, no, I thought I was going. Oh, I'm not going. I'm not going. Blessing and cursing, going, not going. This is one of the biggest problems. A lot of times folks will, you know, come to a service like this and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I got it. I, I, I said that with Brother Keith. The favor's on me. And then by Thursday, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with these crazy people around me. <laughs> Nothing is going my way. And Blessing and cursing. Sometimes life, sometimes death. Well, you understand what I'm saying? If you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this, you don't change course. All you did was bobble, but you stayed on the same course. What you got to do is quit saying, stop talking death and failure, and you got to stop it. Not cut it down. Not reduce it. Stop it. 
Not just around church time. At home. At work. Stop it and get the words that God gives you to say about this situation in your mouth. And that's all you say. And you say that consistently. You say that consistently. Well, what that does is it's holding the altered course. Can you see that? And so you do that day after day after day after day after day. You stop going into the problem. Can you see this? And then you start going out into the blessing and out of the problem. I call my body healed. I call my body strong. Didn't say you felt like it. Didn't say you looked like it. I'm turning the wheel. Come on, can you see that? I call every bill paid. I call every debt paid off. Come on, can you see that? I have the mind of Christ. You won't get me to say I'm dumb. Huh? No. That's when we tell our little ones, I'm quick. I'm bright. I'm sharp. I'm good looking. I'm very rich. And a major blessing. These are not just little cute things. These are life changing things. Especially if you believe it. And you say it day after day and week after week. It builds something in you. It sets your body, your mind, your life on a course. A course of light and life and victory and blessing. Hallelujah. But it requires discipline. Because everybody's got feelings. Everybody's got emotions. And especially if you watch and listen to the wrong thing. You get junk in you. And then when the pressure comes on. (laughs) Junk comes out. And you talk death and defeat and stuff that you've been listening to. Or, or, you could read your chapter every day. You could come to church and good meetings. You could feed on good things. You could talk with faith people and you could be full of light and life and faith. And then when the pressure comes on you and looks like you're about to die or whatever, you go... Praise God. Praise Praise God. I'm not even scared. (laughs) Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Notice in closing, I think, this thing here in in James 3 where he said, did you, he said, uh, how great uh, a fire or forest is kindled, greater matter, a little fire kindleth. Again, can you see this is a similar principle to the the rudder on the ship. This is not poof a thousand acres burning. This is a spark, a little fire, right? And, uh, you know, who is it, uh, Smokey the Bear on the uh, forestry thing? What's his phrase? What do you say? Only you can prevent forest fires. Well, only you can stop the fires of destruction in your life.
Why? Because what he's saying is a careless. Have you heard that word today before? Huh? A careless match in the wrong place in the wrong time started something. And it might not have been life-threatening and property-destroying the first day or even the first week, depending on the situation, the circumstances, the environment. But something started it. And he's saying words are that way. Words start something in the spirit. It doesn't all show up instantaneously. But it starts something. And how great a matter a little fire kindleth. If you, because of your carelessness, you didn't respect the power of fire and what it could do. And you're careless with your matches, your lighter, or whatever it is. And you start a fire that burns thousands of acres and destroys property and kills people. Should you be blameless? Because you didn't mean to. Is everybody listening now? Should you be blameless because you didn't mean to well no you should have had more respect for the power you had with your fire and controlled it is that right because with power comes responsibility and this is why the Lord says for every careless word Every idle word. You'll give an account. Why? If you said things the enemy could use and started problems and started issues and people are hurt and you can say, well, I didn't mean all that to happen. Yeah, but you started it. Can you see that? Not to say you can't be forgiven because you can't. You particularly want to watch about saying careless things about the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord says some specific things we read about that. But does it matter the words that come out of our mouth? The more we learn, the more significant we see. And it's not all, oh, oh, I gotta watch, oh, I gotta watch. No, it's, oh, what power is available to me to change situations Just like you can start something bad with a few words, you could start something good. Is that right? You could start something big that could turn in to a great, big, wonderful, amazing thing. Because you, you held your, 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 your peace and you didn't just talk how you felt and you didn't just talk how other people were talking. You asked the Lord, what should I say about this? Come on. And you prayed and you, you monitored your heart. And he gave you the words. Yes. Yes. He gave you the right words in the right situation in the right time. And you spoke them full of faith. And it started something. Yeah. I said it started something that turned into something wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Life is in the power of the tongue. 
Hallelujah. Healing is in the power. Deliverance. Peace. Joy. And you have that power in your life. Stand on your feet, everybody. Praise be to God. Stand on your feet if you would.